the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I believe we should let our people go in this country. I really do. I think they need to start opening things up. I'm not saying that we can uh, open things up to the way it would be if it was nothing going on. Okay? I can understand that. But it's time that I think we start opening things up and and letting people get back uh, to some form of norm- normalcy and getting our our economy moving some and letting people go back to work and uh, wherever you're going to work at. I think that, uh, you know, you're the boss and uh, HR or whatever, if you have a, uh, an HR department, uh, should have some form of the social distancing in. Uh, I think that if I owned a business, I probably would ask you to wear a mask right now. And, and let me under let everybody understands here. I don't think a mask protects you from others as much as it protects others from you. Look, most of us, the masks that we wear, there's a little kind of paper ones that you buy at Walmart or whatever. Basically, the only thing it will it will uh, stop are going to be uh, the droplets in your car, your coughs and sneezes. And, and speaking of sneezes, the mask you're you're, you're taking away over probably sixty five percent of how much it works. If you don't pull it over your nose, you're supposed to be covering your nose as well. All right, let's let's get that through. So you put it on, your nose is covered, uh, your your um, your uh, mouth is covered, and I think what that o- only does is protect for coughs and sneezes, and that's a major way of spreading a disease because the disease is on the droplets in your cough and sneeze. And I got people say. And I have uh, asked the question, well, you know, if you if if you fart, the smell still comes through and the the the, the disease is smaller than that. Well, we're talking the difference between particulate, uh, which is even a virus and gases. So um, that that discussion doesn't hold water, so to speak. Uh, but, you know. If you shart, and if you take and if you know what I'm talking about, uh, there might be an aroma with it, but there won't be substance with it. That's something to keep in mind. And that's what your mask does if you cough or if you sneeze. 
because I'm sorry, a lot of you walk around coughing and sneezing, and you, you still can't figure out how to put your hand, your face in the in the nook of your arm. You just can't do it. The gloves, look, I think that's ridiculous. You might as well not wear them because when you put them on, as soon as you touch something with those gloves, you've got something on your gloves that perhaps you don't want on. I mean, if you touch, let's say you touch the celery and you're looking at it and you put it down. Then you go and you pick up an avocado. Well, whatever you had uh, on your gloves from the celery has now been transmitted from the celery to the avocado. So the glove thing, I'm not all, you know, sold on. But I'm kind of sold on on the the mask. Do I think that we need a government edict? No. What I think we need is, you know, managers, like I say, at, at Walmart, uh, or at uh, Target or at any of the big box stores, Dillard's or any other, they post a sign that says uh, no shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. That's all they got to do. And then ask people that come in to put on a mask or to uh, please uh, go and and uh, leave the the facility until we figure you don't have to do that. So I don't know, I, and I don't know when that's going to be. But I, you know, I think if if you just did that simple thing, you would cut down exposure for a lot of people. So uh, I'm I'm about I'm all about that part of it. But uh, you know, I think that probably wearing a mask is going to be common right now maybe for as long well probably until we get a vaccine and then i hope that all of you folks that are out there that are anti-vaccine aren't stupid enough uh to not want to get vaccinated or get your kids vaccinated be and uh, but i'm not going to say we need to make it uh, mandatory you know now a business can make it mandatory you know, I'm, I don't believe you're going to see anybody, you know, saying, show us your card that says you're vaccinated. Uh, but um, if you work at a business, don't uh, I think you can probably figure out that you're going to, to get vaccinated. Uh, you're going to be have a probably have a setup where uh, people are going to come in. Public health is going to come in and, and give the shots out and you'll be expected to show up and get a shot, and if you don't want to get a shot, you don't want a job. I mean, that's kind of the way it is in hospitals right now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about flu shots. They get flu shots. Everybody gets a flu shot. You don't get a flu shot, you don't go to work. It's that simple. It's the way it works. So it's something to keep in mind that, you know, these are things that are going to happen, and uh, we're going to have for a while. Those are just very small very small problems as far as things go. Um, nothing big. Big is being told that you should stay home and not go to work and telling restaurants to close down and telling gyms to close down and telling all these businesses to close down. I don't like this uh, the hand of, of the uh, government slamming down on us and telling us we must do this. 
this is something that you must do or, you know, you're going to get in trouble uh, with the uh, wonderful uh, government. Don't want to do that. We're going to arrest you. I mean, did you see they had the they had a uh, uh, I think it was was it in Tennessee, maybe? No, it wasn't Tennessee. It was someplace up in the east. Um, they had one of those little rallies outside the state capitol. And all these people were out there. And there were probably a few hundred saying, open our state back up. And uh, they only arrested one person. They arrested the person who who uh, put out the, the initial uh, Facebook post about having uh, a rally. I, I think you're in a serious uh, hurt if you're the government and you arrest somebody. And when you, if you take them to uh, to jail and you book them and all the rest, and then you, you know, you release them on their own recognizance until they can get to the trial or whatever, which is going to be a ways away because the courts are closed. Uh, I foresee uh, some problems there with the First Amendment, uh, saying that you have the right. To gather up, so uh, and uh, and and ask the government to hear uh, your your uh, arguments. So that, that's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes down. It's uh, six fifteen. I got to take a break here. We're on a Wednesday. Wednesday being Hump Day. Hump Day being middle of the weekday. And middle of the week meaning we're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And what do I always say about that? It's a good thing, and it is a good thing. I'm glad. That we're uh, there. Uh, today, we're going to see some rain. I was just looking at the color radar. It's just outside our area. Some of you in the area are already experiencing the rain. Later today, we're going to have some pretty good thunder boomers in our area. And you may have heard uh, uh, the weather early on in the in the show talking about possibilities of sun, some thunderstorms uh, dropping as much as an inch or two of rain. High of 70 today. Tomorrow, rain in the morning, just some showers, and high of 74. Friday, showers and thunderstorms around, not con- continually. High of 74. And your weekend right now is uh, shaping up to look pretty good. Clouds, which will give way to sun on Saturday, and then partly sunny all day Sunday with a high in the mid-70s. So if you're hoping to be able to get some yard work done, it looks like your next really strong time to do that is going to be on Saturday afternoon after the grass uh, is able to get dry. 616 on a uh, uh, a Wednesday. Glad to have you with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, here today on the show, uh, I'm going to catch up on the news during this first hour, and we'll talk about that. I'm going to give you some some guidance. One of the big things that's a pain when you put one of these masks on is if you're, uh, you know, a four-eye like I am, I wear glasses, uh, you put your, and, and if you wear sunglasses as well, uh, you put your mask on, your glasses, get fogged up at times i'll try to help you about how to keep that from happening and then um, what's going on with uh, the president about uh, covid19 what's the latest that the democrats are trying to do to cause him all kinds of of problems Uh, i gotta ask how many of you are sitting out there and blaming uh, trump 
for the virus when it was the Chinese that unleashed it on us. So we got some things to talk about today here uh, on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Looking at the current temperatures here in around the area in Cabot, where I'm at, it's 54 in Little Rock, it's 59, Hot Springs, 57, Pine Bluff, 60, and in Conway, 58 degrees under cloudy skies in all those areas. Raining in Conway, raining in Pine Bluff, thunderstorms in Hot Springs, and some morning showers right now in Little Rock. Cabot's the only place. Just got clouds. Hasn't got to us, but it's coming. I looked at the color radar. It is getting really close to us now. 618 on a Wednesday, a break. The Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you at 23 after 6 on a uh, Wednesday morning. Good thing that uh, things are going all right. Basically rain everywhere here in the area uh, as far as that's concerned. So, uh, you know, what? Uh, what's going down here? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, a civil rights group has filed a lawsuit against Arkansas for the uh, COVID-19 virus over in the Cummins unit. Uh, This is from U.S. News and uh, World Report. Uh, Civil uh, rights groups have filed a lawsuit accusing Arkansas of not taking adequate steps to prevent the spread of uh, uh, coronavirus in its prisons. Um, They filed the lawsuit yesterday accusing Arkansas of um, putting 600 inmates uh, in, or not 600, but putting the inmates at, uh, in, in jeopardy. 600 inmates at one facility have tested positive. The NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and the American Civil Liberties Union of Arkansas filed the lawsuit in federal court on behalf of nearly a dozen inmates, including three at the Cummins unit. Officials uh, Monday said about a third of the inmates at that facility have tested positive for the coronavirus. How do you know you got, they got it there? You know, they might not have got it there. They might have got it from somebody visiting them while they're in there. Uh, are they asymptomatic or do they have symptoms? Uh, Arkansas has reported at least 1,990 coronavirus cases in the state, 42 deaths. For most people, the coronavirus causes mild or moderate symptoms, such as fever and cough that clear up in two to three weeks. For some, especially older adults and people with existing health problems, it can cause more serious illness. Uh, Basically, the most serious part of the illness is pneumonia. So, uh, you know, you want to keep that uh, in mind if you're out there and you try to keep from getting this. But uh, 1,990 cases and 42 deaths. This was is that about 5%? Is that about what that is? 10% would be, what, 100 and, 190 deaths? Some, somewhere 19 deaths, something like that. Uh, anyway, you do the math. I'm just saying, and, and, you know, here's my whole thing about this civil rights thing. Uh, number one, unless they hadn't, if they hadn't broke the law, they wouldn't be in prison right now. Uh, and uh, if the prison is taking necessary steps about uh, keeping people uh, 
separate and keep in social distancing and all the rest, then I don't think they're going to have much uh, help as far as this uh, civil rights uh, case goes on with that. Uh, they're saying that, of course, uh, if you've been following the news, we know that Pine Bluff was the first hotbed in Arkansas, and uh, the Cummins un- unit is over in that part of the state. So, you know, like I said, um, I would almost, you know, bet you that uh, uh, the that was brought into the unit from outside. And I can only imagine how the prisoners would have have uh, result uh, would have uh, uh, felt and how the NAACP would have felt if they would have said no more visitation as soon as they heard about this virus and wouldn't let anybody come in and have, you know, a visitation. They would have been saying that's cruel and unusual punishment. That was a damned if you don't, damned if you do uh, kind of situation uh, there in the, uh, uh, the prison unit, I think. Everybody that is in the prison units, all the workers and things, uh, they should have done everything they could to protect them from getting this from the prisoners. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know exactly how they're doing all of that in the prisons. Uh, I'm going to talk, try to get somebody on who works in the prisons uh, and uh let them tell you about that. But I've got to get that set up. I've got to make sure that they can do it. You know, if you work for the government in any capacity, the rules are just a little bit different than they are if you work for, uh, you know, a normal, uh, you know, uh, business out there in civil society. I'm continue to have arguments with people about the guy in the navy uh, well he didn't you know he didn't do this or you know he he was worried about his men well yeah i agree you worry about your men uh but you don't take your argument outside military channels you make your argument within the uh, military hierarchy and you follow the chain of the command. You say, well, why is that? Well, let me just ask your commander. You're told that you're going to take the left flank of a, um, of a, of a battle. And you can look at the necessary uh, information and know being on the ne- ne- uh, left flank, you're going to take serious, serious, serious fatalities. Now, do you write a letter and send it to 30 people and it gets out to the to the press and say, well, I told them that they shouldn't do this and they did it anyway? Uh, yeah, you don't do that because there's some things that as a commander you know about that everybody else uh, can't know about. It's just part of the whole military uh, hierarchy. All right, news and then more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Rain across the area happening right now. Your temperatures here in Little Rock, 59 degrees. Uh, Conway is at 58, Pine Bluff 60, Hot Springs 58. And in Cabot, where I'm at doing the show, uh, in my dining room, it is 55 degrees. But rain falling across the area and, and looking at color radar 
looks like we're going to get start getting some heavy rain and some thunder boomers here uh, over the next couple of hours uh, today. I got some good news uh, yesterday. Uh, a lot of you know uh, that I have been struggling with an infection that I have in my foot. I've, you know, my my life is a very transparent one that I live and I live it here on on the radio, and I let you know things that I I have to fight over a lot of times and and see what's what's going on um and and let you know what's going on is what i meant to say and i uh, back in september let me just give you a backstory first i burned my foot on my deck weirdest thing that ever happened both my feet and both of my feet healed up except on my right foot there was a small area it's about the size of a nickel that was uh, giving me problems, and I I had an infection in it, and we have been fighting that infection constantly, and I have uh, type two diabetes. Yeah, I've had to have surgery on my foot twice. Uh, I think we've gotten past it finally, but here we are sitting in April. And yesterday, uh, Dr. Driscoll, who's my physician at the Wound Center, who, by the way, I can't say enough about. She's she's great. She has really uh, been working uh, on this. Uh, came to me and said, Dave, I, I was stopping in because every day right now, and I'll, uh, I'll send you a picture. Uh, Elizabeth's listening right now. I'll send you a picture, Elizabeth, of what the para... Uh, the hyperbaric chambers look like, and I'll see if David, who runs that department, will take a picture of me inside of it so everybody can see what I do for two hours every day. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm beginning to feel like Michael Jackson. Well, maybe maybe I'm feeling like his monkey that he used to have. But, no, i I, I got to go and get in this. Now, hyperbaric chambers, are the, all of the uh, kind of... Uh, information uh, through uh, the uh, uh, medical community is that by uh, applying you at a lower pressure with higher concentrations of oxygen speeds healing and uh, promotes things. And one of the things that it promotes is uh, better, uh, you know, veins and things of that nature. In fact, there was a woman uh, who underwent uh, treatments and uh, had all kinds of vascular problems, and she grew almost a completely new vascular system by using hyperbaric. So, uh, for you know, uh, being able to get good blood flow and things of that nature to areas that you're having problems with, that's a good thing. So they put me in this thing for two hours a, a day. I've already gone through 30 treatments. I'm going through another 30 treatments now uh, for this problem with my foot, and it seems to be working. But I got the news yesterday. I had been, I had this uh, uh, infection, and the doctor came up, and they they had ju- they just moved to doing a different uh, treatment on me. And Linda, my wife, of course, has been do- been tasked uh, with changing my my bandage twice a day and uh, that's not fun I, I i don't wish it upon her there's nothing i can do about it because i can't do this by myself and uh, 
she was told they wanted her to clean it out both times each day with acetic acid. And she takes a syringe, fills it with acetic acid about three times, it forces it into the wound, and rinses it out using acetic acid. And then uh, it's a it's a, a 25% acetic acid solution. And acetic acid kills, uh, I think it's called uh, pseudomonum, uh, this uh, particular infection on contact. So they've been just flushing it out like crazy to see if uh, they could stop the infection. And uh, yesterday uh, I got everything that, uh, mentioned to me uh, that we're in good shape. Uh, there is no more infection in my foot. And uh, it was a pretty day yesterday, but it was doubly pretty for me because I've been waiting to hear that particular piece of information now. Uh, for what? Uh, what? October, November, December, January, February, March, April, seven months uh, that this has been going on. I mean, I started off with MRSA. That was the worst. Uh, they kept me in the hospital for a week. Uh, they they were they put a pick line in me. They gave me six weeks of intravenous uh, drugs to make sure everything was gone uh, in my system where MRSA was con, uh, you know considered and uh, unbelievable. And by the way, I guess I shouldn't say if I say MRSA, am I being racist against Middle Easterners? Because that's you know. M.E. of MRSA is Middle Eastern, and it's a type of infection that came from the Middle East. So I guess it's being racist for me to even say that. So I had an infection. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, but I had MRSA, and 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 that's that that's serious. Doctors were freaking out about it. Everybody coming into my room had all the special gear on and everything. I'll never forget that the morning that that happened. Everybody started showing up with face shields on and stuff. And when, when they start showing up like that, and they got the, uh, the the plastic gowns on, and they got the gloves on, and they got the masks on underneath the shield, and all you can see is their eyeballs uh, through the shield, uh, you know, count me as maybe a, being a little bit paranoid, uh, but I saw I saw them all, and I said, hmm, something's changed here. <laughs> And the doctor came in, and they started explaining what was going on. And uh, you really had them freaked out for about three days. But what's, what's been weird about this whole thing is I felt good through all of the treatments. And uh, the doctors and the nurses have been exceedingly good in the in the wound center and in the surgical center over at Baptist North, uh, North Little Rock. Uh, I can't I can't say anything bad about them. But acetic acid, you know what they use acetic acid for? It's vinegar. Ah, think about that. Vinegar, basically. And, uh, and on top of that, one of my favorite foods is pickles. So maybe I, I, I had cut back on pickles because, of course, of the high sodium content. Maybe I shouldn't have cut back on them. Maybe I should have just kept eating them. I'm eating. I, I bought a big jar of them. I you see the big jars at the store that's in the bulk section. I buy my dill pickles in those. I'm one of those people that can go to the movie theater and Linda get the big bucket of popcorn with us and stuff, and then I'll buy one of the pickles that I'll eat and sit and watch. Uh, the, the sh- yeah, I like kind of weird things sometimes. I mean, and I'm not pregnant, 
All right. I'm not. I, I haven't changed sex uh, at all. All right. So I'm not a man having a baby or whatever they try to say. Now, I, I still don't. I still don't get that one, but that's something that they say. Well, Dave, you got to have that mix of like that sour and that salty. Like when you're going to the movie theater, it's like that 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 butter and that salt and that popcorn. Like yeah, that, can, that can get a bit overwhelming sometimes, and so you just need a, a change of pace. I need something to clean my palate. How's yeah, that? <laughs> that's what I got to do. I'm just I'm just kind of walking people through this. This has been kind of a long. Seven months, but I really have not complained. I've there's been time or two because I got to wear this funky thing that uh, they got on my foot because they don't want me to put any weight on the, the the ball of my foot where this wound is at. So I wear what they call a half shoe, and literally what it does is my heel is supported, uh, and the, the back third of my foot is supported in this shoe. Uh, but the front of my foot is not. It kind of hovers uh, out there. And, uh, you know, that's it's just kind of crazy, to be honest with you. And uh, it it can get uh, where it starts bothering you a little bit. I mean, it presses right in the middle of my foot, and it gets somewhat, uh, uh, it somewhat hurts at times. So just uh, just know that, but we're getting there. And yesterday was uh, probably uh, the best news that I've had in in quite a while, to be honest with you, when they told me they didn't have any kind of infection in my foot, and we have been waiting for that uh, day. So the day was reached yesterday. Now we're waiting for the wound uh, to heal up. Uh, what kind of wound was it? I had a hole in my foot. Uh, that went from the back of my foot, the bottom of my foot, uh, on my uh, ball of my foot, and they could take a uh, a device and put it in that, and they could make a little tent on the top of my foot. It went all the way through my foot. So now we're trying to get that healed up. So once that happens, I'll be a... A happy, happy camper. Look, I'm feeling really good about that. How's Michael Bloomberg feeling? They just released uh, new findings today that he actually spent. Are you ready for this? I mean, the guy didn't get nothing but maybe, what, 5% uh, in the uh, Democratic uh, primary. He already has spent $1 billion. $1 billion. Can't believe it. He's feeling very happy with that. Okay, a break. We'll be back with more. Uh, let's uh, get our break in, get you some traffic, get you some weather. That's all coming your way uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Now, something I would tell you, by the way, if you're a type 2 diabetic, uh, you need to pay attention to your blood sugar. Make sure you keep that under control. You may think that, well, I'm at 200, and that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not too good either. Uh, and, uh, two, you know, if you're up there in the 250 and above, uh, you're putting yourself at significant risk. And uh, if you get uh, small uh, wounds on your feet or uh, maybe on a, a leg or whatever, have a doctor uh, take a look at that because uh, your ability to fight off, uh, you know, these bugs 
is not as good as when you're uh, 100% well uh, healthy and definitely not as good if you're not watching your blood sugar. I'm sure you may have known somebody who had type 2 diabetes and they're they're missing, you know, legs or arms or whatever. It's because your uh your, you know, blood doesn't get around to some of uh, the parts of your body as well as it used to. So be careful out there if you have type 2 diabetes. All right, at uh, about nine minutes now to uh, 7 o'clock, uh, let me tell you that the temperatures around the area is number one. Number one, you've got, uh, we've all got rain today, and it's going to rain all day long, and it's going to get heavier before it quits. Uh, we may get one to two inches in certain areas of our, of our uh, listening area. Uh, tomorrow, the rain will be still going, but then taper off during the morning. And then we'll have a fairly nice day tomorrow afternoon. Showers are back in on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, the cloudy skies will give way to sun, and we'll have a nice weekend. Temperatures are going to be in the low to mid-70s uh, for today, tomorrow, uh, Friday, and the weekend. And currently, uh, Conway's at 58, Pine Bluff at 60, Hot Springs at 58, Cabot at 55, and Little Rock is at 59 degrees, and everybody has uh, some kind of uh, rain this morning. Hey, Willie wants to join us for a few moments. It's uh, eight minutes until seven. Hey, Willie, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. I hope you're full at Salem, Dave. It is. It's getting there. It's 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 coming around. I, I've kept the faith, and I've done a lot of praying, and it, it's it's healing up. It's this infection that we couldn't get rid of, and it was. Mm-hmm. I think it was really trying. It was getting to the doctors too because they couldn't figure it out, and uh, finally uh, uh, yesterday they they did a, a tissue sample Monday, and sent it down to the lab. It came back L negatory, so that's good news. Kudos. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good do, uh, thing going on. What's what did you have? What else did you have for? So just well, just want to wish Mayor me, Mayor Bloomberg well, spent one billion. Yeah, Bloomberg spent one billion. One billion dollars. That's what he spent. He didn't get much for his money. You know what he could have done with that billion? He could have donated some foreign countries the misfortune or somebody. Hmm. He could have sent quite a bit of money to people that are out of work right now, couldn't he? Yes, he could have. Yeah, well, he um, I, I'm sure he didn't get a return. If he had businesses that gave him that bad of a return, they'd, they'd be shut down before the coronavirus. Let's put it that way. Right, right. All right, Willie, I'll let you go. Thanks for calling up. Appreciate you. I need to get to this story to finish up the hour at uh, six minutes till uh, seven. Just you so will, that, Dave. All right, I'm going to. Hang in there with me, Willie. We'll make it, buddy. Uh, if you're, you know, one thing that's going to be with us for a while is this whole thing about masks. You're going to be asked to wear masks uh, in areas and places. Uh, keep that in mind. And you're going to be asked to do social distancing. They're going to ask you to do that uh, as well. I know that there's. you go to some stores right now. I'm trying to think where was it. I think it's uh, in... Uh, Maybe it's Home Depot that I saw this. Uh, They have a piece of tape where you're supposed to stand when you're checking out, and then there's another piece of tape away from that piece of tape that's six foot away, and you're not supposed to be in that other area, the neutral zone, so to speak, uh, 
in there so that uh, you're keeping your six feet uh, from the person in front of you. And the other thing that's going to happen, you're going to be asked to wear masks. Uh, one of the bad things about wearing masks, if you're wearing sunglasses or you're wearing regular glasses, is that a mask will make your lenses fog up, and that will drive you crazy. Look, I've dealt with that most of my life. I I had to start wearing glasses when I was 16, and, uh, the, you know, between that and uh, the, the worst part is when it's cold and you walk in someplace uh, warm, uh, you know, it, it fogs up. Or if you're in air conditioning and you walk outside here in the south and it's uh, humid, uh, they, they fog up badly and you can't even see. Well, glasses fog up when you're wearing a face mask because the mask is redirecting the warm breath that you have upward instead of forward, which uh, forms droplets on the lenses of the glasses. A tighter seal on the top of the mask, like uh, from a nose clip, will help reduce the phenomena. Uh, If you buy these masks that you can feel it through the top, you can feel a little bit. They get a little piece of aluminum or something, and you press down on it over the bridge of your nose. Uh, If you take a folded tissue... Uh, to the inside top of your mask or covering can also help absorb those warm droplets and reduce the fogging. If those do-it-yourself methods aren't cutting it for you, there are commercial anti-fog sprays that you can buy, just like the the sprays that you buy to clean your lenses. And uh, you purchase that. Uh, Swimmers use this and divers use this on their goggles. And uh, it does a good job of keeping uh, your glasses and your goggles from fogging up. However you make it work, make sure your mask or face covering is covering your nose and your mouth. And also remember this, you don't need a medical grade N95 mask to help curb the spread of coronavirus. Those masks should be reserved for our health care physicians and workers and others on the front lines fighting the virus. That's according to public health officials. Basically, a mask is there that you wear to protect other people, not you, protect other people. Just keep that in mind uh, so that if you cough and you can't get to the uh, you know, uh, crook of your, your elbow on your arm, uh, the uh, droplets that come out in a cough or a sneeze, and if you think you don't do that, I suggest you Google, uh, you know, visualizing a sneeze and see some slow-motion photography of a sneeze or a cough and see how much crap you spew out, and you're spewing that out to other people. And now it's just uh, good common-sense hygienic things that we got to do, like covering our mouth, as we were told from the time we were little kids, uh, when we sneezed and, and when we coughed, cover your mouth. You know, you heard, your mother did that. Your dad said that. Uh, and you need, to, you need to take care of it. And you need to be careful about doing it. I, I, carry, I carry a washcloth with me constantly, and I sneeze into that and uh, cough into that. Uh, the... Uh, I guess that's kind of going back to the old handkerchief kind of days because when I was younger, I carried a handkerchief all the time. So keep that all in mind. 
when you know that uh, you're going to be asked to wear a mask. And uh, I don't think the government should have to pass a law saying you have to wear a face mask. I think that uh, all we have to do is have businesses, as I told you, put signs up on their doors that say stuff like uh, no shoes, uh, no shirts, no mask, no service. And that that's your right to do that. That would protect their workers and protect their uh, clientele as well. And I think it's it's their right to do that. So uh, please, uh, you know, I just going to say to you, you know, wear a mask uh, as far as that. You don't have to wear one when you're just walking around outside. I don't think that's necessary. But uh, if you're going to be somewhere where you're going to be in close proximity to people, put one on. All right, Dave Ellswick Show, first hour is up. We come back. Congressman French Hill will join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Six minutes after seven, we've got about uh, 54 minutes to get you to work on time. Congressman French Hill is on the phone, ready to talk to us, and uh, let's do that. Uh, By the way, liquid sunshine all day today across the area, high of about 70 degrees today. So that's, uh, that's, you know, liquid sunshine, not the best thing. However, 70 degrees is not a bad temperature to have. Uh, here at this time of uh, the year. All right, so let's talk, uh, Congressman. Why don't you give us uh, the latest update on uh, COVID-19 and uh, how you think things are going? Well, good morning, Dave. Thanks for having me. Of uh, course. Yesterday, the the uh, Senate approved uh, a compromise bill. It got uh, full support of the, of the Senate. It's going to come to the House now. And what it does is something that we asked for two weeks ago, we finally are getting, which is uh, some more money for the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses. And Arkansas did a survey of all their banks across the whole state that they released yesterday. There were about 21,000 applications for another billion dollars in the pipeline for the Paycheck Protection Program, where small businesses can borrow money with an Small Business Administration SBA guarantee to keep their employees paid. So there's demand out there, uh, and so that's the cornerstone of this bill. It also uh, puts a little more money in the SBA's disaster loan program. And I've heard from a lot of our constituents in central Arkansas who applied for a SBA disaster loan three or four weeks ago even, that never heard from the SBA. So hopefully this will clear up some of that log jam for our small businesses. And then finally, two other points. Uh, there's $75 billion in there principally for rural hospitals across the country to help them get through the crisis with their vacancies uh, that they have. And finally, uh, a testing piece to accelerate investment 
and innovation in testing to aid the states uh, and aid research for beating the virus from a, a testing point of view. Now, let me ask the big story that broke yesterday and the uh, media were making a bunch of hay out of it. And I, and, and I can understand that a lot of people got upset when they heard about it. But they're talking about these huge companies getting 10 and $20 million out of the uh, pay, Paycheck Protection Fund uh, for their businesses. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, Congress, <clears throat> when the Senate designed the Paycheck Protection Program for these SBA loans, Marco Rubio of Florida was the person who had the lead on doing that in the Senate. They wanted in the food service business. So if you run a restaurant, they wanted you to have access to uh, this because they knew you were shut down completely nationwide. And in the bill, they specifically said the under 500 per person um, cap for small business would be extended to franchises. So these big companies with multiple restaurants, uh, either in a franchise form or not, were specifically encouraged in the bill to apply. So okay. uh, the the press has really turned this into like a failure of the program. And I saw where I think it was State Shack decided to give the money back. Yes, uh, my memory's right. But That's right. I have to say, I have to say that the. Uh, franchise industry was out there trying to help <clears throat> their franchisees all across the country uh, so that they could get help in an individual location. Example, somebody who owns three McDonald's uh, may be, when you count every worker, three or four McDonald's across the country might have over 500 workers and they would not be eligible. Uh, they particularly let franchise locations get access to this. So that was their logic over in the Senate. Um, do I think people who don't need the money should apply to their bank for it? No. No. But the law is written pretty vaguely, and it's really tough for the banker to tell somebody no, given the way the law is written. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, I'm glad we're talking about it because – the 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 access to the coronavirus paycheck protection program the borrower comes to the bank and certifies yes my business has been uh, i don't know what the adjective is you know severely impacted by the coronavirus there's no analytical answer to that question like my revenues are down 100% or something like that right uh so it's on the borrower to be honest and truthful with that banker and certify that they really need the money to pay their employees. So this new bill that the Senate has already passed, and I understand yeah. the House is supposed to vote on this tomorrow. Uh, what is in it now that the Democrats can support that before they were getting in front of it and, you know, not letting it pass? Yep. 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 They wanted uh, and they were advocates for that rural hospital increase uh, because the <clears throat> CARES Act has a hundred billion dollars in it for hospitals. And 30 billion of that was distributed last uh, Friday, 20 billion of it's being distributed this week. 
my position on it was, look, we know hospitals are in trouble, but when they open back up and can have elective surgeries and get things going again, they'll need less, you know, support. Correct. So I was, my view was, let's wait two weeks, and if we need more hospital money nationwide, we can certainly uh, have that debate. Well, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer wanted to hold up the Paycheck Protection Program, which they knew was so popular across the country and obviously popular with the Republicans who have been trying to get it funded for two weeks. She held it up so she could get this additional hospital money. Uh, So she got that. And then both sides really wanted something different and supportive on testing. So what did she not get? She asked for a big increase in SNAP uh, funding. Yes, she did. Which we'd already we already had done that in the CARES Act. We we uh, waived the program requirements and we increased the benefit. And our governors are out there uh, using it. <clears throat> and we also increased funding for food banks in that bill. And and those funds are being used as as agreed. She did not get that, and she also asked for states to be bailed out due to their lack of tax revenue. So uh, Governor Hutchison got $1.25 billion to help offset coronavirus expenses in the state, not make up for lost revenue. And as you know, our state faces approximately, a, a potentially $300 million revenue shortfall. That's correct. Uh, approximately between March and June. Uh, and... Uh, Nancy Pelosi wants the federal government to pay for the revenue losses of the states, uh, and Republicans don't support that. She did not get that in this bill, but she asked for it. So that's what we've debated for the past, uh, I guess, 10 days. Did I also hear that she wanted to add in that all hospitals had to serve haagen ice cream? <laughs> chocolate, just chocolate. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm sorry that yeah. that let let them I eat thought, ice cream. I'm just saying. I thought I think the I think she should personally buy two Sub Zero freezers for every house in America. That would be yeah. a great use of her. But she if she was feeling so chocolate focused. Can you? I didn't know they had freezers out there that cost twenty four thousand dollars. Well, I got no if, idea. If, if, yeah, people, people, uh, it's it's unbelievable. But I would I would tell you it just demonstrates her tone deafness to the the tough times people are having in our country. We've lost loved ones. We've lost jobs. We're paranoid about where we go, and uh, she has the sort of. Uh, tone-deaf ability to go on a late-night comedy show and talk about how she's coping with the coronavirus by eating chocolate. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it it really was. And that is probably the biggest tone-deafness I've seen in a long, long time. And they've been making fun of it in memes. I mean, let them eat, you know, ice cream and all the rest, making her Nancy Antoinette and all the rest. It's <laughs> it's It's been pretty good as far as I'm concerned. Let me ask uh, one other question before we go to break here. Uh, you think uh, Michael Bloomberg thinks he got his money's worth? It's words out now. He spent one billion dollars on his campaign 
Yeah, he makes, uh, you know, John Conley in 1980 look like a real, you know, conservative spender. Conley <laughs> spent uh, $10 million for his one delegate, who you and I remember so well, Miss Ada Mills of Arkansas. <laughs> and uh, so Bloomberg, uh, I think if he's, if he's at a billion, he doubled it. He was close to $20 million a delegate. Wow. That's yeah, that's just crazy. incredible. That's, that's insane. insane. Just under twenty million a delegate. <laughs> yeah, my thought on that is he sold that business in a heartbeat. If it had been a business, I'm just saying. All right, let's yeah. take a break, uh, Congressman. We'll come back. We'll talk more. I'm a little concerned about the CDC and uh, WHO, and uh, they're out uh, stoking up fears amongst the people in the general populace. We'll do that. And uh, I want to talk about some great things about you. It just shows how uh, good our Congress, uh, our congressional delegation does uh, in Congress. We have a lot of great serving congressmen and senators, and we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. PI Roofing wants you to know that if you got problems with your roof, the last thing they want you to do is spend all your time being worried uh, about your roof when you got enough to worry about with this whole COVID-19 thing that's going on. Keep that in mind. Uh, you can call them or uh, contact them on the Internet or talk to them on the Internet to, uh, you know, I mean, the way things are set up now, you can actually talk to people and see each other. Uh, it's the old, remember back in the 60s and 70s? Well, maybe you weren't born, but I was, and I remember the Pictophone was something of the future. Well, we've got the Pictophone now, and you can do FaceTime, and you can do FaceTime with the folks over PI Roofing. They can help you get everything done on your roof. They come repair your roof, do all of that, and keep the social distancing and all of that that's necessary to keep you protected, them protected, and everybody protected, and get you a brand-new roof. All you have to do is call them at 707-3551. That's 707 707- 3551 uh today and tomorrow going to be rainy in the area if you've uh, have had uh, you know hail damage and wind damage from the previous storms get it fixed now so that uh the uh, leaks that you might have don't make things worse for you that's pi roofing 707-3554 or piroofing.com and please tell them you heard about them on the dave ellswick show our guest is Congressman, uh, of course, Congressman French Hill. And Congressman Hill, you're in D.C. right now. Uh, the the Speaker of the House says all of you don't have to be back until May 4th. I understand a lot of you uh, Republicans are putting some pressure on her to reconvene. Is that true? We should get back to work. The president's working seven days a week with his team and we believe that the uh, attending physician at the house has uh, really got terrific procedures for us to come vote. Uh, we're going to have 80 people in the chamber at a time for social distancing. Uh, the uh, members are asked to stay in their office and not congregate at the house floor. Uh, but I believe strongly that we should be in Washington voting and not try to uh, pursue what Nancy Pelosi wants, which is some sort of remote voting. Um, we can we need to do our work, uh, and it's very hard to do it uh, with 435 members. 
scattered around a laptop in their uh, living room. Uh, so this is uh, challenging for also the oversight. Uh, we're doing a lot by phone. We're doing a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of teleconferences for our committee work. And it's going okay, you know, but it is uh, not ideal. And I think certainly when it comes to voting, we should uh, be very cautious about everyone's physical health, but try to vote using CDC standards. Yeah, it just seems to me that um, I guess she just wanted to be close to her ice cream. That's all I can figure out. And bottom line, that uh, you guys should be there. I, I mean, senators, I understand they're not there every day, but they're there three days out of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? It is. And they're also, you know, um, not congregating as well. They have fewer people, so it's a little easier for them to operate like that with 100 members. Um so I noticed that the House of Commons went into session last night uh, in uh, London that was uh, also uh, social distancing. They had 10% of the House present on the floor for an opening session, and they're going to try to operate uh, carefully as well. So everybody's just doing the best they can in this circumstance, and that's what I expect Americans to do. We don't want to get sick. We want to protect our customers. We want to protect our families. We want to uh, protect our coworkers. But we also have to go about our business, too. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, there's been some people speaking out of the CDC and out of the WHO. Your thoughts on this? They're already starting to say, hey, we're going to have a second round of this coming up in winter. It could be worse than the first round that we've had. It seems to me there's a lot of things that have been gone into place thus far that have cut back on the COVID-19. We don't know what's coming over the summer that may be ready for us by the time we get to winter. I just think this is causing nervousness amongst the general populace that's not necessary. I don't disagree with that. I think we know a lot more about this virus uh, today, and therefore, when it if it were to resurge, we certainly know how to conduct ourselves with personal hygiene and the CDC standards. LabCorp has been approved by the FDA uh, yesterday or day before to offer an in-home test uh, for uh, COVID-19, and that will get testing down at that consumer level. And I believe they'll eventually have an in-home test that could be even have the outcome uh, there in your house. Uh, as it is, this is a kit that you would swab and then mail in the uh, test uh, sample and you get the results back. Uh, but this is, we're going to have expanded testing. We're going to understand how to do it. We may have a therapeutic uh, by the fall uh, where someone can uh, be treated for COVID in a more effective way if they come down with the symptoms. And then by winter, we may well have a vaccine that's functioning. So I don't want to be pessimistic about that. I want to, you know, we're going to be much better prepared when the next flu season comes. Absolutely. Okay, so last question and something that everybody should know about. Leader McCarthy has uh, put you on the CARES uh, Congressional Oversight Commission uh, and the president, uh, the task force to reopen the economy. Congratulations. 
Well, I was proud to be asked by both of them to help uh, oversee this process of getting America back to work, which was uh, the President Trump asked me to be involved in that. And as a former business person for 30 plus years, I was happy to offer my advice to him on that. And then uh, Leader McCarthy asked me to be on the oversight panel, which is going to be the congressional watchdog group to make sure that the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve spend this unprecedented amount of money in the right way, just as Congress dictated. So I'm excited about both those prospects and honored to serve our country in that capacity. I got to think when you're overseeing a, a uh, you know, something like the CARES Act, that spreadsheet has to be unbelievable to see who's getting what. And to make sure nothing's slipping through the cracks is going to be really tough, Congressman. It's going to be challenging. Look, we are putting uh, 25% of GDP into our country, into our economy in two months. I mean, it's a staggering amount of money. And uh, I mean, it's just I don't even I can't even get my arms around the impact of that. But we're talking about a two trillion dollar bill is what you see in the newspaper. But it's much more than that, because the five hundred billion dollars of money that the Treasury and the Fed have had as appropriated for their use can be leveraged four times. So you're really talking about, uh, plus the, the bill that's passing this week, you'll be up in the $6, $7 trillion range uh, all in. And that is shocking in a $20 trillion economy. All right. Well, you all are doing everything you have to do. Uh, I feel that you're doing the best job that you can do. You're making the decisions off the information you're getting. Keep up the good work, Congressman. We'll talk to you next week here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks, Dave. All the best. To Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up is uh, Rush. He'll have something to say. And then when we come back, Dr. Julie Hickson-Wallace will join us from Harding University. All of that and more. Your traffic, your weather, everything that you need to make your day go gets you to work on time at 8 o'clock. But right now, let's tune in to Rush. Joining me here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Dr. Julie Hickson-Wallace. She's the Vice President for Accreditation and Institutional Effectiveness and the Associate Provost uh, out at uh, Harding University. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about graduate school because they've got a lot of their courses online so you can get going on your graduate degrees, uh, your master's, etc., without having to, you know, wait to go back and be face-to-face with a professor. I'm going to assume that's correct. Is that right, Doctor? That is correct. We have several programs that have are available online and have been even before the current situation. With the COVID-19, we've got everything online at the moment, but we have several programs that have been offered online for uh quite a while before that happened. Yeah, I think I have had you on talking about that. You you have several uh, campuses people can go to, but for the majority of uh, Harding students now that are doing graduate work, they can do most of that online, correct? With our business programs and our education and counseling programs, yes, that's true. A lot of our health sciences programs 
do still require that you come to campus to become a physician assistant or a pharmacist or a physical therapist. Those are still done on ground, but but many of our other programs in the areas of business, such as the Master of Business Administration or um, Master's in Information Systems, we have several certificate programs in those business areas. And then a lot of our education programs for teachers coming back to enhance their skills or for people who'd like to change their career path and become a teacher. We have uh, online programs for all of those things, yes. So how, how long does it take to do the graduate program? Does it depend on what program you take? It does depend on what program you take. Uh, I would say most are able to be finished in about a year or two years if you do them full-time. Uh, but we do offer many part-time options as well, so people can kind of pick their own schedule and, and take the degree over the amount of time that works for them. But, but yes, usually many master's degrees, we use the term credit hours, or uh, and these often take about 35 credit hours. So if you spread that out over a year or so, then that's a good balance to finish that program off, yes. Now, you can go out and work on this on a part-time basis. Is that correct? Because I know a lot of people want to continue working, uh, continue, you know, bringing in a paycheck and uh, work on, you know, for instance, their master's uh, as, as they go along. Is that possible? Certainly it is. We know that especially for these types of degrees that are being done by people who are already out in the field and working in their given profession, that they don't have the time to dedicate to be a full-time student. So the programs are set up where you can take them part-time, you can take the courses as they fit into your schedule and your life, and have uh, several years over which to finish them up. So, yes, part-time is definitely an option. All right. And that, that's a good thing because I'm, I'm going to, you know, this is an assumption on me, and we all know what assume means. But, Doctor, <laughs> as, as far as that goes, uh, is are most of your students that are in the graduate uh, uh, programs that have already gotten out into the workforce, are they doing them on a part-time basis? I, I want people to know that they're not, you're not, you know, they're not the strange one out there. That a, a large majority of people do it this way. Yes, I would say lots of people do definitely pursue graduate degrees on a part-time basis. There are some people who maybe have a particular goal in mind and want to knock it out in a shorter period of time, but I would say especially in the business and education areas that that many people do pursue these degrees on a part-time basis and, and take as much time as they need uh, within – limits. I mean, we, we allow people to, to take them over several years, but at some point that can get extended too far. But yes, the majority of people do take them online uh, as a part-time program. All right. So I'm down to about three minutes here. Uh, let me ask you to talk about the qualifications to get into a uh, uh, or get accepted into the graduate program. I'm seeing about four different things you'd need to qualify for. Can you talk about those? Sure. Um, 
generally speaking, graduate school is something that one does after they have graduated from an undergraduate program. So in most cases, you do have to have a bachelor's degree before you are able to enroll in a graduate program. So that is one thing that does need to be satisfied. In addition to having that degree as a general basis, there are usually some prerequisite courses. So if you're taking a business-type degree, there may be some specific business courses you would need to have taken. Or if you're taking an education degree, there may be some uh, basic education courses you should have taken. So if your bachelor's degree did not contain those courses, then often people will have to start with what we sometimes refer to as leveling work just to be sure that they have that particular group of prerequisite courses. And then most of our programs require that you have letters of recommendation from people either in the field that you're wanting to go into or those that you've worked with already who know about how getting this extra education would benefit you and and can comment on your ability to be able to successfully pursue that education. So letters of recommendation are generally required. And depending on the program, and this is more true in the healthcare areas than it is in the business and education areas, but in the healthcare areas, you often need to have at least a little bit of work experience in a healthcare area, even just volunteering uh, or having some hours in that area so that you just are certain that that is the area that you'd like to go into. So those are some of the main things that we often look for to be accepted into graduate school. Our guest is Dr. Julie Hickson-Wallace. She's the Vice President for Accreditation and Institutional Effectiveness and Associate Provost provost up in uh, Harding University. Now, this is something, and we're down to about two minutes here, uh, Julie, but this is something that you all have been working on for quite some time now, and that is your graduate school. And you're beginning to, to score some big points Uh, nationwide, aren't you? Well, we certainly have that aspiration. If we aren't already, we do have had graduate programs at Harding actually since sometime in the 1950s. So it's been quite a while that we've been offering graduate school. But yes, we do have a a full listing on our website. Uh, Our graduate programs can be found at uh, harding.edu slash grad or just G-R-A-D. But graduate education is something we have been doing for quite some time, and we are looking to expand that area even more and more actively pursue uh, students, especially through the online programs that we've already mentioned. So, so it is definitely a growth area for us, but an area that has been an emphasis for many years already. Yeah, I'm looking here. Uh, I, I didn't realize how many uh, graduate programs you have in your School of Theology, uh, Divinity, Ministry, New Testament, Old Testament, uh, Church History, and uh, Theology. Uh, that's uh, quite uh, a wide gamut. And then you look at education. Uh, you have teaching. Uh, you're looking at uh, educational leadership, uh, mental health and wellness, uh, nursing, uh, family uh, nurse uh, practitioner, online uh, pharma- online pharmacy, and then uh, you also have uh, ones for business administration and allied health. 
Let's get a break in, uh, Doctor, and then we'll come back and finish up our conversation in a moment. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Our uh, final segment with Dr. Julie Hickson-Wallace. She is the Vice President for Accreditation and Institutional Effectiveness and Associate Provost at uh, at Harding University. And uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we've been doing a lot of shows on Harding. And they have really upped their graduate program. Uh, As you, you heard the doctor say, uh, back in the, the first segment, they've been doing them since the 50s. But, you know, I'll be honest with you, Doc, I hadn't heard much about them. Now you all are out talking about them uh, more and more and, and going out and asking people to consider you all uh, for a master's or, a, you know, a theology degree or something doing in medicine. Uh, what, what brought about the change? Well, I believe we have a long history as a residential undergraduate campus, and so that is what people know us for, I think, a little bit more than the others. But we've just grown, especially in the last decade or to the last 15 years in the health sciences, and that has really put a highlight on our graduate programs, and we have gotten to a point where the percentage of graduate students is it's becoming larger and larger, and we've just noticed that that's a real area for growth and seems to be something that's more in demand these days. And so we felt like we have maybe been a little amiss in sharing that message as widely as we could have, the fact that we do have these offerings. So we're just wanting to capitalize on those programs and share what we think is a really highly valuable as well as a high-quality program that we offer. So we're just trying to get that word out a little bit better. Well, I think people are probably aware of education, uh, business, uh, health, and uh, religion as being areas for uh, graduate programs at Harding. But you've got some new graduate programs coming up this fall. Why don't you tell the listeners about it? Take as much time as you need because this is important. Well, we are offering a new program that is completely new to us, a Master of Science in Kinesiology and Sport Administration. And this is a program for current teachers or coaches or those who might want to become an athletic director at an institution. Many Mm -hmm. high schools as well as colleges have athletic directors. Um, Also for those who might be interested in pursuing recreation management, So this is a degree that just gives you a little more information about the management side of kinesiology and sports administration. So the program is very useful to existing professionals in the area who might just be looking to advance their career a little bit further into that area. Uh, Another area. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to jump in and just say, People say graduate degree and that just so you can become a athletic director. Sit down and take a look at the athletic departments. If you get in a, a, a medium to a large school and you're talking multiple millions of dollars to run those programs, you better have uh, some smarts to do that. Would you agree? 
Oh, definitely. That's, that's a very responsible position and has quite a variety of, of pieces to it that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about. As you said, it's, it's a pretty complicated group of interacting pieces in dealing with all aspects of running an athletic program, especially at a large institution. So having all the skills you can to be ready to handle those different situations that might arise, I think, would be uh, a great idea for someone looking to yeah. go into that area. Lots of um, moving parts. Okay, go sure. ahead. You were saying that there's other things. Certainly. Another new program that we're starting is a Master of Science in Student Affairs. And this is aimed at people. It's a program out of our Department of Mental Health and Wellness for people who might like to get into mid-level positions, especially at the college or university level, working with students, either in academic support services or services that are often referred to as student life taking care of the physical piece of a student's well-being, their emotional well-being, their mental well-being, and their spiritual well-being. So we're offering a new uh, program to help those who want to get into that area of dealing with students' uh, care and services, especially, like I said, at the university level. So these jobs, I think, in the past have been things that sometimes people fall into uh, having had a, a background in education, but this aims to get folks the specific skills that make it make them well-suited to work with all the holistic view of taking care of students in the college and university setting. Yeah, I wanted to go back and talk about uh, kinesiology again just for a moment. Well, I see that all of that is done online. You don't have to come to campus at all uh, for for that particular uh, course. Correct. That program is able to be completed that way. There's uh, quite a core of courses that are related to to education, and then the other half are courses related to kinesiology, but they are all designed to be able to be taken online. So that program will be available and uh, make that easier for working professionals to be able to obtain that degree. All right. So as we finish up with our interview here, let's get to the nuts and bolts. And uh, we're talking uh, with the uh, associate provost out at Harding. How do these programs advance somebody's uh, career, doctor? Why are they so important? Because you always want to be a step up, so to speak, on your competition. Well, I think that's a really good point. Um, In many areas, we've seen over the last several decades that what you used to be able to get into with a high school diploma became something that you needed a four-year degree or a bachelor's degree to get into and then eventually has moved into graduate studies and so just the bar has been raised over time and so that's one thing that's happened where new graduates are coming out with greater skill sets and so those who might already be in the workplace in order to keep up and keep ahead of of what's going on these additional education just helps hone those skills 
Um, there's also, I think, something that that has changed a little bit in that certificate programs are also available. So you don't have to necessarily get an entire master's degree. You could start with a certificate program, which might have only 12 semester hours, uh, something that could be done within one or two semesters pretty easily. And that's also a way to kind of test the waters see what those classes are like, and those hours can be applied to a master's degree should you choose to do that at some point in the future. So sometimes you can start with just a particular skill set that you might have noticed at work, something related to information systems or a specific area of business such as healthcare management or leadership or entrepreneurship. So we have programs where you can take just a few a smaller set of hours and get a specific skill set to just improve that those, that area. So you can just generally be more well-rounded and have additional credentials because also, you know, people tend to change careers or at least move amongst different types of positions within a given field more so than we used to. And so being ready should a new opportunity present itself or should something happen that just Maybe you have a change in, in life circumstances for family reasons or other geographical concerns, and having additional credentials would make you better ready to respond and be able to continue to support yourself and your family. All right. We're down to about 30 seconds. Dr. Julie Hickson-Wallace, let me ask this question. How does somebody apply? Well, you can find information for all of our programs at www.harding.edu, specifically for the grad programs at harding.edu slash grad, or G-R-A-D, and that would show you a complete listing. We do use centralized application services that are online. So there is one single portal where each of these programs can receive your application, upload all the necessary materials in one place. And so the harding.edu slash grad would be the the address where you could definitely find the listing and request information and get put in touch with somebody in the admissions office for each program. All right, Dr. Julie Hickson-Wallace, Vice President for Accreditation and Institutional Effectiveness and the Associate Provost out at Harding. Thank you for your time. We look forward to talking to you in the near future again. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today.
You're late if you had to get be at work right now. You're still a little bit out. Uh, you're running late, just so you'll know. Uh, Joe and Duck are with us. If you got questions about your car, here's your opportunity to ask these guys, uh, two guys that have a lot of experience, your car questions at 823-0095. and they'll be happy to answer your questions. I've, uh, I'm going to start off with a question right off the bat, Joe and Duck, and let you talk about it, and then we can kind of talk about other things as we go along. This is dealing with a Cadillac SRX, uh, six-cylinder, 3.6 transmission and drivetrain, and I know neither one of you are basically transmission and drivetrain guys, and Gary Henry is, but... Still, it's an interesting question. It says, I just bought a 2007 SRX all-wheel drive. The other, the other day, the other day, I went to put the car in reverse, and it would not engage, so I drove it home slowly. The next day, it engaged in reverse, but didn't in drive. I noticed the body control module has been replaced out of a 2007 Chevy uh, Cativa diesel. My question is, could this module be our problem? I'm just, as I'm reading it, I go, duh. Uh, The (laughs) transmission fluid is uh, full and not burnt, and there are no signs of debris. What could be the problem? The first thing I'm going to say, I think you answered your question, you got... You got something that's from a diesel, and you got it. It looks like in a gas burner. I'm going to say, uh, Duck, that that's probably the problem. Most likely, it's going to be. Most likely, it's it's uh, program issues. You need to there again, Dave. It needs to have the scanner put on it and look and see what information's in there. Because if they didn't put the VIN number back in it, which a lot of times on those used uh, modules, you can't change the VIN number. Oh wow. You know, if you go buy a used one, that don't mean a lot of times you cannot put a new VIN number in it to make it work right. So what do you do in that? What do you do in that case, Joe and Doc? I mean, you can't put the right VIN number in. You're you're in a world of hurt, aren't you? Buy a new one. Buy buy yeah, just buy a replacement module that's not been in another vehicle. Okay. You know that that reminds me of something too, Doc. Uh, he said one time it wouldn't take reverse, and next time it wouldn't take drive. Now, it could be a software issue with the, with the programming and stuff on that, but it also could be just a bad neutral safety switch, range switch. It doesn't know when you put it in gear. And Exactly, John. It also could be a bad ground. Correct. You know, especially when somebody else has been working on it, and you don't know why yeah. they did all this. So he's yeah, you have no idea why they put a, why, uh, why they put the body control module in it. I bet it was to try and fix this problem. Yep, <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of what I was just thinking too. It's, they've been chasing this problem, and they finally got tired and just sold the car. 
That's right. You know, all, right. all those used car dealers will tell you, the AC don't work. It just needs to be charged. That's yep. it. You know, that's what they always and, say. And you know better than that because if it was easy to do, they'd have done it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right, so, and just saying so, that it needs to be charged. Here's the problem. All, all the smoke that escaped, it wasn't supposed to escape in the first place. Yeah, let all the smoke out of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, phone so, number again, just real quick. Uh, phone number again, 823 uh, Give us a call. You can ask Joe or Duck a question. Go back uh, and finish up, Duck, what you're going to say. So, uh, so Joe, let's talk about services on vehicles. I had a customer come in yesterday, and he bought a 2018 Ford F-250 King Ranch. Loaded, got every bell and whistle you can buy with a 6.7 diesel in it. And the place where he bought it at, they told him to service it every ten to 15,000 miles. So he comes to the shop, because I know I've been knowing this guy for a while, and he said, what do you think? I said, no, service it every 7,000 miles and put a fuel filter on it. Well, they said I can go three services without putting a fuel filter on it. No. Nowadays, fuel filter is more important than the oil filter. What do you think, yeah. Joe? I think they erred in that, too, but, you know, it, it's hard to get that through, folks, Head, that, you know, uh, uh, on a diesel truck, uh, the yeah. fuel filter is the life of the fuel injection system. Exactly. And, you know, if you're going to own one of them and drive one of them, uh, do it is is like you should do it, not like people say it should be done. You well, know what I'm saying. You know, well, like an eighteen wheeler. You know, he said, well, eighteen wheeler can run twenty thousand miles. Eighteen wheeler's got forty four to fifty four quarts of oil in it too, and two yeah. one gallon oil filters hanging there, and and two big old fuel filters hanging there. And I said, I said that's why they can run because, you know, you're sitting on fourteen quarts of oil and they're sitting on fifty four quarts of oil. So you know. That's how they'll run, you know, 20,000 miles out of oil change. That's uh, what he told know, me. He said, well, just, uh, some, some folks want to save a dollar or saving a dime and lose a dollar. So what can you say about that? Well, I turned around and picked a high-pressure pump up that come off of a 6.7, come off of a 2015 that I had, I had cut in half. I took my CNC machine, cut it in half. I said, here's what's happened when you don't change your fuel filter. And I and I had to just so happen I still had the bottle of water that come out of that uh, truck that blowed the pump apart on it. I said, "Here's what's happened, mm-hmm. and here's what he causes." He looked and he said, "Well, I'll be back to see you can service my truck from now on." <laughs> you can seeing is believing. That's what they say. Yep. Yeah. And that's why I cut that pump apart, and that's why I keep that bottle of fuel standing there. You know, because you'd be surprised how many people think they can run a diesel truck twenty thousand miles. You know, you, you just can't do it because they don't have enough capacity to do it. Yeah, I hope people. I hope people are paying attention to this because you guys are are giving. I think plenty of uh, of information of why, unless you need a diesel, why do you want to buy a diesel? That's an this guy had a gas trip. burner. This guy had a gas burner before he bought the diesel, and you know, and he come down and he done bought the truck, and I said. So what are you going to do with this truck? He said, well, I got a gooseneck trailer I pull for work every other day. Okay, you're fine. You need you need the diesel truck. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, he pulls a gooseneck trailer, you know, with uh, construction material on it every day. So his situation, he was doing it with a Toyota t- uh, t- uh, Tundra. 
And he said, you know, it just wouldn't pull it. And I said, no, it ain't near a big enough truck to do what you're trying to do with it. And this is a 30-foot yep. gooseneck trailer he's pulling every day. Yeah, that's not big enough truck, so. No. It ain't well, big enough made truck a right decision about upgrading, but, you know, a lot of guys out there ride around in big diesel trucks just for ego purposes. Exactly. Yeah. That's an expensive ego, isn't it, Doug? Oh, yeah, <laughs> real bad expensive, because... I, I have a customer that has a Chevrolet, and about once a year I had to, to pull the turbo and get it clean, and it'll have five or six thousand miles on it when I do it. He drives two miles down to the store and two miles back home twice a week. Wow! That's just kind of just sitting. Yep, and can't understand why the turbo keeps stopping up on it. Because you're not doing what you're supposed to do to keep it clean. And that's what I tell him. I said, when you, I said, once a month, go get on the interstate and drive it forty miles, one way, forty miles back home. But hey, they won't do it. I mean, you know, we chase this problem every day with exhaust problems and turbo problems. Well, some of them you can't clean out. You end up having to replace that turbo because the actuator's bound up in it. And well, shoot, that's the last time I had, I, the last time on that six six, I had to replace it. And the turbo, my cost is $2,000 just for the turbo. Wow. Plus, plus 13 hours to put it on on that 6.6 Duramax. Mm-hmm. That's an awful expensive uh, diesel truck to have, then you got to do that kind of work on it. Yes, it is, especially if you don't need one. It's just an ego thing. I like well, a big think truck. think about this, you know? too, Dave. What is it? What is it? Go ahead, Go ahead, Doc. So, Dave, what does it cost to service your tar- your car? What just to get a to get a uh, to get a, an oil service? Was it? It costs fifty dollars to service your vehicle. Yeah, about, well, about that. Same vehicle in a diesel pickup. What's it going to cost if I if I had yeah, a oil diesel? Service. How much? You know, we'll, we'll say fifty dollars. Okay. And so, in a diesel pickup, is two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have the two hundred dollars and 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 salve my ego that way. Two hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> two hundred dollars, man. I can take somebody out to dinner and prove to them how the fuel filter. You know how big of a guy I am and buy them a steak dinner. You know what I'm saying? Well, you spend uh, that extra money on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I mean. Typically, I'd buy tickets to go see the Razorbacks, but I won't probably be doing that this year. The way it's looking, so it's just the way it nope. uh, the way it uh, all is uh, shaking out right now. So, how are things going for you guys? Or, Look uh, better that way, can't you? Yeah, are things looking are things looking better for you as far as your businesses? Are people giving you a call and coming over and and getting service? Well, I think my business has picked up a little bit since the stimulus come out, Dave. Okay. Prior to that, they were uh, only doing half-to repairs. You know, if the car wouldn't run, towed in, stuff like that. But as as far as elective repairs, like AC charges and and other things, if they could get by with it, they were going to let it ride because they were unsure about the economy and what was going to happen. But since the... $1,200 hit, start hitting the bank accounts. We've had some come in and say, well, I want to go ahead and get this fixed now. So it's helped our business. I'm happy about it. Okay. 
We've picked up a little bit of a buzz in the background. We're going to go ahead and take our break. We'll get that cleared up for everybody. If you want to call in, ask your questions, 823 Dave Ellswick Show, Joe and Duck, you're here from their bumper-to-bumper uh, mine, service station. stay good, which... We'll be back here in just a moment. All right, back with you. Uh, Rose sends you guys a question. Here's what she says, uh, uh, Doc and, and Joe. I don't want to call in, but want to ask a question. My husband owns a Ford diesel truck that we have spent tons of money on to be able to pull the fifth-wheel camper a few times a year to the lake. Do we need a diesel truck to do that? He says yes. So uh, there's not a whole lot of information there, guys, but just off of what you're hearing, what would you think? Well, Dave, it depends on what kind of camper it is. If it's a big gooseneck trailer, yes, you need a diesel. If it's not, no, you don't need a diesel. You know, what if, What she needs to do is call me on the phone, call me at the shop, and uh, I'll answer answer a question for it which would be better than me you know trying to guess at it okay give her your number over the air she's she's listening now 501-607-1965 that's my cell phone call me after the radio and i'll talk to you about your truck and we'll get you straightened out and get you headed in the right direction okay there you go rose you got an answer and uh you can get some personalized service uh from duck and if I'm going to tell you what, if it's a problem with a diesel, he's got the answer for for you. There's no doubt uh, about about that. All right, let's get back to the uh, uh, questions that people have already sent in. Uh, I had somebody who called in, and we lost them. If, you're, if we have an answer to your phone number and you're listening and you're wondering why we haven't, probably because your number dropped, uh, do me a favor and call us back, 823 823- Zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five, and uh, we can go and, and get you the answer uh, uh, for you. Okay, again, question that's out there that we want to ask you. That I told you guys that we would come back next is a guy who's got by the name of Willie, who's got a two thousand and. Uh, well, it's a 2000 Toyota Tacoma DLX four-cylinder uh, 2.4. Uh, my temperature gauge doesn't work during the winter, but it works fine in the summer. What could be that problem? Boy, that one. That one's pretty easy, isn't it, Doug? He's got a thermostat yeah. that's not closing and staying open. Yeah, staying hanging almost almost open, wide open. Yeah. I bet his heater don't work good in the wintertime either, Joe. I bet he's getting crappy fuel economy, too. Oh, you know he is, because he's <laughs> staying in limp mode. All, I'm staying in a clo- open loop all the time. Yep. Okay. There's your, there's your answer, just so you'll know. They, they didn't have to go very far to figure that one out. Mark is in Little Rock. He's on the line with us. Mark, how are you? And your question for Joe and Duck. Hey, Mark. Um, I, I got a 2007, or my wife has a 2007 Chrysler Town and Country. And the power steering, or something, I think it's something to do with the power steering. When we turn real uh, hard one direction or the other, not too hard, I wouldn't think, 
Um, at first, I thought it was the tire rubbing, but it's not. It sounds a lot like a tire rubbing, but it's it's not the tire rubbing. And I just wondering what that might be. Well, uh, it sounds like Mark that it may have a CV axle. Does it? Is it a click, click, click noise, or a, can can you kind of describe the noise to us? Yeah, it, it's almost like a click, click. Uh, but it seems it's a faster because I thought it was maybe the treads on the tire hit. You know, it says so it's, uh, it's a fast click almost. Well, it would be. Uh, is it is it both ways or just to the right or the left? Uh, seems to be both ways. Okay, I'd be looking at the CV joints on, on on the axles because when the boots get torn and the grease comes at them, they get water in them. It wears the joints out, and most of the time, when you're turning to the right or the left and you're accelerating, you'll get a click, 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 and a kind of a rattle noise. And and that'd be the okay. first place I'd be looking. What do you think, Duck? Same thing. That's my same. You know, to be a CV axle with a boot tore on it. And it's rattling when okay. you turn it one way or the other. Okay, and and it and it sounds like it's all on one side. So yeah, seems like it's you the probably need one side. That one side. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. You're looking at probably well, on that vehicle axle install somewhere in the three hundred dollar range. Yeah, three to three fifty okay. somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. Well, thank all you right. very much. Appreciate All right, you. Mark. Thanks for the call. We appreciate you, Thanks, Duck Mark. or Joe, or one of our uh, uh, other uh, bumper to bumper certified service centers. Be looking for you. Come by and and uh, get things fixed. Uh, question here. This is a pretty interesting one. <coughs> Robert's got a 2000 Chevy Vette. Uh, it's got an eight cylinder, 5.7 liter uh, engine. Uh, where is the turn signal flasher located? The turn signals make a strange sound at times, and I want to replace the turn signal flasher relay, but I don't know where it's located. Where is it, and would that fix my problem? Now, the first question is probably easy to be answered. The last part of the question, maybe not so much. Turn it over to Joe and Duck and let them uh, take it on. What about the turn signal uh uh, flasher uh, relay. Where is it located, guys? Going by memory. Strictly by memory. I believe that relay, the flasher for that, turn signals is in the emergency flasher button. Is that not correct, Duck? You're right. That's where it's at. Now, what we see a lot of times, that button doesn't get pushed very often. But if you push it and turn it on and then fail to, and you push it again to turn the emergency flashers off, if it doesn't reset all the way to the neutral position, you can get some buzzing noises out of it and the turn signals won't flash like they're supposed to. Sometimes just work that switch four or five times with your finger and get them turned off. You could try that and see, but but that flasher, if if we're not mistaken by our memory, because we're going back 20 years here, (laughs) it's in in that uh, hazard button. And another thing, too, Joe, I've seen somebody spill a little Coke or a little coffee on that switch, and if you sit there and, like you say, work it four, five, six times, a lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll be sticking a little bit, and you'll get it broke loose. All right, so... 
easy fix to that. If it doesn't fix, then take it to your bumper-to-bumper certified service center. Take it to Joe. Take it to Duck. Uh, they can get to it, clean it up if that's the problem, and, and get you on your way with a, 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 a turn signals that work, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That easy. All right, we'll take a break. We've got Sean Hannity coming up, and then we'll come back. We'll have more uh, time to take your calls at 823-0965. That's 823-0965. You can also text me at Dave at uh, SalemLR.com, and uh, I'll read your question to him on the air. Or you can text me and do the same if you happen to have my phone number. I'm not going to give it out on the air. If you know me, you probably have it. And uh, Or you can instant message me over on Facebook, and I'll get that as well. I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. But 823-0965 is the easiest way that you can talk to Joe and Duck, and they can ask you the pertinent questions that goes along with your uh, questions as well. Right now, though, Sean is here. Let's get our hit of uh, espresso information. All right, as soon as I get off the air this morning, which comes up here in about 24 minutes as we finish up with Duck and, and Joe, uh, I'm going to give uh, David Lucas a call. Uh, we want to get him on and spend about an hour with you talking about the, the whole thing about Social Security. I'm going to see if he can come on tomorrow at uh, 7 o'clock, and if he can, uh, he'll talk directly to you, give you some some information, but uh, get you ready. I, I know that he wants to remind you that you can do this whole uh, insightful meeting with him about uh, your Social Security and when you should take it and when you shouldn't take it and all of that uh, by phone or by, uh, uh, you know, FaceTime on the on your phone with him so that you don't have to break the uh, the local, uh, you know, distancing, the social distancing you got to do. So we're going to get him, uh, see if we can't get him on and spend an hour with us tomorrow. Also, I'll, be, I'll give a call to Dr. Yamauchi tomorrow, and we'll talk to him about uh, where we're at in this pandemic and where he thinks we'll be going. And then I want to talk to him because I'm a little bit, irritated with the cdc and who and 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 i think scaring people unreasonably by saying well you know by the fall or the winter uh what happens then could make this look like a, a piker you know like it's nothing big and i'm thinking that to me that's stupid to say such a thing why would you take and tell people that uh and 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 take people that already are stressed and now you get, you don't give them any benefit of the future is going to be better. You tell them, well, when we get to the wintertime, it'll be worse. See, it's just stupid if you ask me. But anyway, that's that's me. And uh, I'll get Dr. Yamauchi on. We'll talk about that. All right, guys, here's a question for you. Ready to go. This is a Lincoln, uh, what is it, Lincoln LS. It's got an eight-cylinder, 3.9-liter engine in it. Uh, he says that uh, uh, I have a Lincoln LS, and at the advice of a reputable mechanic, I have replaced the radiator, electric fan, and thermostat, but the car is still having overheating issues. The weird thing is is that the car starts to overheat without the gauge reading hot. 
What's the problem, guys? Help. What's the problem? Well, that's uh, he's done some work to it, so uh, those things are really hard to bleed out. So I'm I'm not sure if he's got all the air bled out of that, and I'm not uh, saying that's all it is, but there would be a few things there to uh, eliminate from it. And one of them well, would be to make sure that it doesn't have any air trapped in there. What do you think, Doc? Well, that's what I was fixing to say, Joe. By overheating and the temperature gauge don't show it, it sounds like it's got an air pocket in there and it's floating around. Yeah. And, you know, because like you say, those things, I have, I've seen my guys pull the heater hose and stick it up and fill it back full through the heater hose, you know, just trying to yeah. get the air burped out of it. Because they are super hard to get the air out of them. Why? And, why know, he do could have, he could have had a he could have had a radiator leaking and got this engine hot and and done yeah, blow the head gasket damage to it and you know so you need to make sure it's bled out good and you need to make sure it's flowing good and then you need to if it's still have an issue you need to make sure that it doesn't have a hydrocarbon gas is getting back in the coolant system and uh, causing it to uh, heat the coolant and causing it to overheat from a head gasket issue. Okay, so here's my question: Why are some cars so much uh, so much more difficult to bleed than others? What what seems to be the uh, the reason that that occurs? Is there that uh, the hoses turn and you know have kinks in them and things of that nature, or what? Well, a lot of them have remote reservoirs. The radiator's not where you fill it up; you fill it up in a remote reservoir. And the way the cooling system, the lines and everything are routed, it can get trapped air in it. You know, sometimes the reservoir is actually lower than the tank on the top of the radiator. And you're filling it at a lower level. So it, it's it's important to bleed the air out of them. And most vehicles have a air bleeding procedure, don't they, Doug? Yeah. And another thing, too, Joe, a lot of times the heater core is higher than the engine, too. And yeah. I've seen them trap air in them. Wow. Uh, engineers not taking into, uh, uh, you know, consideration that, uh, you know, if you put something up higher, then the area that you're filling it from can make it difficult to get the air out, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Now, now, they make a tool, it's called what they call an airlift, which you hook onto that and you pull a vacuum on the coolant system. Yep. And then when you get vacuum pulled on it, it's got a tube on it, and you stick it down in your coolant, uh, your antifreeze water mix, uh-huh. straight coolant. And when you open the valve up, the vacuum that's in that system will suck the coolant in and and eliminate a possible airlock issue. It works, wow. I'm going to say, about on about 75 80% of the cars. There's 20% that it's, it's not going to work on, too. What do you think, Doug? Well, and another thing, t- thing too, Joe, is why we put the radiator in it and why we put the coolant fans in it, you know, yeah. was the radiator leaking before, you know. There's a few other questions we need to ask him before we can, you know, tell you exactly where to go to. All right. Well, overheating problems seem to be the main questions that we're getting today. Uh, the other day I was driving home from work in my SUV, which is a 2010 Ford Escape, 
uh, XLT four-cylinder 2.5 liter engine on it. Uh, so he's driving home, and I started running hot. I popped the hood and uh, noticed steam was coming from the water outlet hosing, so I took it off and found that it was cracked and replaced it. Now it still runs hot. I'm guessing when it got hot, it cracked the water outlet housing. What could have made it get that hot in the first place? It's never gotten that hot before. Any suggestion would be helpful. The car gets hot after driving for at least 10 minutes, but it doesn't when I'm idling. Solutions? Question mark. Well, you're back to those housings are plastic, and they're notorious for cracking. So I'm going to say the housing got old and brittle and cracked and leaked coolant, and then it overheated. Yes. Now, he's what I was putting the housing say. back on, and generally when you buy that housing, you get a new thermostat with it, or that's the way we do it. And uh, he's back to if it runs cool idling, but going down the road it don't. It's not full, is it, Doug? No. It's not been bled out properly. No. So we, we're back to this whole bleeding issue, huh? Yeah, and yes. and that car is a front wheel drive car, Dave, and it's the motor the motor is lower than everything, so you get air pockets all over that thing. All right, so it sounds like to me another issue of if you're a uh, shade tree mechanic, maybe your days are completely numbered now. That's what I'm thinking. I'd, I'd like to say something, Dave. Uh, yeah. You have to remember on on these cars today. They want to run these engines so hot. Some of them, the electric cooling fans don't even come on until they get 217 to 22 degrees. Okay? So they want that engine running 210, 220, normal operating temp. Overheating's only 232, 235. Wow. But you got a small window there. So if you have an engine that you're filled with coolant and, and you didn't properly bleed it out, and let's just say it's a quart and a half, maybe uh, a quart low on coolant. That's the big difference in the amount of cooling you have to make it run a normal operating temp. That's just low enough to put it over the threshold. We're driving down the road. There's not enough coolant in there getting cooled by the radiator and the fans to keep the engine cool at a higher RPM because your RPM is higher driving down the road than it is sitting idling. Wow. And it's flowing a whole lot more water going down the road. That's it. Wow, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, to give you a window that small uh, sounds like it's asking for trouble. I mean, you got you got to make sure that that engine is running optimal all the time. Well, you you can't you gotta you got you can't run it low on coolant very all uh, very much because it it won't perform like it's supposed to and keep the coolant system won't perform like it's supposed to and keep the engine cool. So uh, you got a small window there, but the reason the manufacturers are doing this is because the hotter they can run that engine, the better fuel economy you get. Right, exactly. and we all know about fuel economy. Uh, that's <laughs> it's everything. Uh, that's the gospel as far as car uh, makers are right now, and the gospel according to Congress and the well, EPA. Well, Dave, you're talking about, you know, the 212 to the 220, even all your big 18-wheeler now, they're doing the same thing. They're running them up to 215 to 218 before the fan comes on. 
So everything's running, the- everything's running yep. hotter. They got a lot of plastic and, and rubber, uh, you know, connections and stuff. And what's their biggest enemy? Heat. That's it. Plastic deteriorates with uh, temperature, hot and cold, hot and cold, and yep. then they crack and bust, and you lose a little coolant, and then you got an overheating situation. So let me say that, that that's why it's important when you go get an oil change that you get an oil service, and like they give you at bumper-to-bumper service, certified service centers, because they're going to look at those connections and things to make everything is running correctly. Is that not right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we on cars that are prone for the water outlet housings being uh, an issue with them, the way they're designed, uh, the, some of the Chryslers actually had a air bleeder in the top of the housing, Dave. A metal bleeder <laughs> screwed into a plastic housing. And, Duck, how much and trouble it, they have with that. You go to bleed that, and you take the bleeder loose, you put a radiator in it, so you want to bleed it. You take the bleeder loose, and the, the 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 brass piece in the plastic housing breaks off, and then you're looking at it, and you got it in your hand. Yeah. So then you got to buy the housing. And it all comes and one it, piece. Yeah, it all comes it's in kinda, one it's piece. It's hard to, to, to explain to a customer, well, ma'am, that housing, you're going to have to replace it, too. Why? Well, the bleeder broke off. Why did it break off? Well, the manufacturer made it out of plastic, and it's brittle. Yep. Yep. We have to bleed it. It's not our fault, but. It's sometimes hard to relay that information because some of them housings are sixty, seventy, eighty dollars, and you're looking at a hundred and something dollars. To put it on there. Take right, every bit of that. All right, yeah. we've got uh, about eleven minutes till top of the hour. We've got to get our final break in, guys. Take a break for yourself. We'll be back with you. Duck and Joe are on. You got a question for them? Eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. Uh, according to Forbes, 96% of you, 96%, claim your Social Security benefits at the wrong time. That's right. And that mistake can cost you up to an average of $111,000 during the course of your retirement. Now, this is a, a dumb question. It's rhetorical because I know the answer is, can you afford to lose $111,000 in Social Security income losses? Of course you can't. Learn how you can avoid this with a free Social Security analysis from David Lucas Financial. Uh, he's located right here in North Little Rock. If you save more than $250,000, well, I had I was getting close to that, but I doubt it's there now after what the brutal beating I've taken in the in the stock market has been, and you've not filed for Social Security, not filed, uh, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. The free analysis can be done over the phone or video conference so that you don't have to break your social distancing. That's 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315, and I'm going to try to have David on tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Uh, investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. More coming your way. So the number one question today seems to be, my car overheats. Why is it overheating? And I'm hoping that you're getting some good some good. Uh, 
indications of why that could happen. Mary's got a 2004 Focus ZTS four-cylinder, two-liter. She says uh, the gauges elevate and dash lights flash simultaneously for a second or two. I was on my way home in the middle of the day when for just a second or two, all of my gauges went all the way up along with all of the warning lights on the dashboard going on. Then everything went back to normal. Is my car okay? What say you guys? Well, anytime you start that car and you start it up, the first thing happens, they, the gauges do a sweep. They go from one side all the way to the other, and it's, it's a test is what that is. If it does that after one time after she starts it, that's normal. If it's doing it while you're driving it down the road, it's not. It's lost voltage to the cluster, and then the cluster's reset. So it'd be like turning the key off, turning it back on again, and that's going to make them sweep again, right, Duck? Think Duck, we might have lost Duck. Though. Did we lose you, Duck? Sounds like we have. Heidi, watch for Duck no. to call back. Go ahead, Joe. It's me. I'm back. Okay, you're back. All right. When you start a car and you start it up on any car, if you'll watch, all the warning lights come on just for a second. Right. That's what they call a bulb test. And all the gauges will sweep. That's what they call a gauge sweep test. That tells the cluster, and it's testing itself. Okay. So if if she starts the car and it does that one time, that's normal. If she starts the car and it does that and then she's driving it and it does it again, it's lost voltage and it's reset itself because when the voltage came back, it swept again and the bulb test came on again. Right, Doc? Exactly. And it could be an alternator, Joe. It could be a bad connection. It could be several things. Well, you know, low voltage with electronics, it don't know what to do sometimes. So. Yep. If it ever gets down below nine volts, it'll do that. It'll sweep everything back and forwards. And what could cause that to happen? Not enough voltage to function. So, what can cause that, Duck? Could be a bad battery, Dave. Could be a bad alternator. Could be just a bad connection. So you guys have got a guess on that one, is what you're saying? Well, no. You can take the 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 vehicle. Yeah. Will your computer tell you where it's at? Well, we can monitor, for instance, you can hook a scanner up to it, and you can read all the data that's being processed and sent to the cluster. So you could tell then, you could differentiate, is the problem somewhere else on the vehicle, or is it at the cluster itself? And and that's a Ford product, and we have had so many of those with the crack solder joints in the cluster, right, Doug? A bunch of them. So it could just be a, a, a solder joint cracked in there, and it's when it's cold, it's contracted, not making a good connection. When it warms up, it uh, expands and makes a good connection. So there, there's some things to look at to actually diagnose what's going on with it. Okay. All right. Bottom line, so, there's, there's some, some investigation you've got to do on that car. Exactly. It's got to be looked at with a monitor and everything on it to look at it to figure out what's going on. All right. All right. Just, you know, there's just some things that that's why they got computers for. And and it won't give them an exact answer, but it will tell you where to start looking at. 
All right, I think uh, I think we're about out of time here, guys. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you another another question here because we'll we'll be up against the clock. So uh, we want to remind everybody that all of the bumper to bumper certified service centers and parts centers are doing everything they can to make their businesses uh, safe during the COVID, uh, you know. Uh, crisis that's going on and uh, they'll take good care of you when you come in you don't have to even see a person if you don't want to they have ways of getting around that just give them a call ask them what they want to do typically they're going to just say okay we'll take your car we know what you're saying the problem is just drop the key uh, in the door where we got the key drop and uh, we'll pursue, and then we'll call you, and we'll talk over the phone with you. And they'll wipe the car down before their people get in it, and they're going to wipe that car down again before you get back into it. So everybody is kept safe. Joe, Duck, thank you so much for uh, giving us uh, the time for an hour today to talk about people's cars. We appreciate your help. Thank you, Dave. Yes, sir, Dave. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Time for me to get out of the way. I'll be back with you tomorrow again at 6 a.m. Right now, I can tell you J.R. Davis will be on at 6. I'm waiting to hear back from uh, uh, David Lucas. If uh, he gives us the okay, he'll be on at 7, and I'll give Dr. Yamauchi a call in about five minutes, and we'll see if he's ready to go tomorrow at 8 o'clock. It'll be a full show with a lot of information that you can use right here at 101.1 FM. The answer, have a great day.